Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is April 5th, 2022, and it is a heck of an afternoon here on the MMA Fighting Twitter Spaces. Hope everyone is having a fantastic day. It is UFC 273 Fight Week. I will be there. I'll be heading to Jacksonville a little bit later on. I'll probably be heading over there in a couple of hours or so. I'm actually in Florida at my parents' house. Got to play some golf with my dad and just enjoying the beautiful Florida weather as we get ready for just a massive fight week. The card goes down this Saturday in Jacksonville at the ViStar Veterans Memorial Arena. And what a card it is going to be. And that's what we're going to talk about, not just today, but throughout the week. And as you can hear, some landscaping going on. So we just got to bear with that. That is uh, what we got to deal with when we head out on the road. So before we get to UFC 273 and take calls and get to your questions, let's go through some MMA birthdays right quick. Uh, first off, happy birthday to former UFC fighter Cole Smith. He is 33 years old. Former UFC fighter James Wilkes, England's own, is 44 years of age. His last UFC fight, his last fight in general, was in 2010. Bellator's big daddy, Kiefer Crosby, is 32 years of age. One of the brightest prospects in the sport, Saeed Nurmagomedov, is 30 today. And Gilbert Urbina, who you might remember from the most recent season of The Ultimate Fighter, is 26 years of age. As far as what happened... On this day in history, only one UFC event on April 5th in history, and that was UFC Fight Night, Stevenson versus Gallard. Joe Stevenson. Performance. Uh, Kurt Pellegrino got a performance bonus as well. Ankle lock submission against Nate Moore during the prelims. Less than three minutes for that. And the fight of the night was Kenny Florian versus Dokon Jonasuki Mishima. Third round submission for Kenny Florian on that card. But UFC 273, that's what we were thinking about this week. Of course, the main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus the Korean Zombie for the UFC featherweight title. Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan for the, to unify the Bantamweight title. Sterling makes his first title defense. Piotr Jan is the interim champion. A lot of meat on that bone, a lot of heat on that rivalry. The big one, Hamza Chimaev, looks to get over that hump, looks to to prove everybody right, see if this guy's the real deal, taking on former title challenger Gilbert Burns. Then we got Mackenzie Dern, Tisha Torres. We got Ian Gary, 
versus Darian Weeks. We got Jarzinho Rosenstrike versus Marcin Tybora, Aspen Ladd, Raquel Pennington, Mickey Gall, Mike Malott, Vince Pichel, Marco Madsen, Alexi Olenek versus Jared Vandera, Anthony Hernandez versus Josh Fremt, Piero Rodriguez, K. Hansen, Julio Arce versus Daniel Santos. I'm going to head inside for a second because uh, we got some landscaping going on and it's like right on top. So you guys want to talk UFC 273? You guys got questions, you got thoughts, what's your favorite fight? What are you looking forward to the most? Raise your hands and that's what we're going to do. We're going to take calls for the next 30 or so minutes and we're going to talk about this fantastic card. And we're going to kick things off with clearest values. Just make sure you unmute. That wheel is spinning. Clearest values, are you there? How you so, doing, good Mike? After- good, yourself. I'm hanging in there. Um, so I want—I know you're not a huge betting person, but I want to ask you a question about the lines. And obviously, they're not an indication of who Vegas thinks they're going to win. It's just, you know, based on who the public is betting. Are you surprised that Volkanovski is minus 700 and Jan is only minus 500? Or do you think that's right? I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I mean, some some very interesting betting lines here. The top three fights, there's massive favorites and massive underdogs. I think it goes to show you just how good people view Alexander Volkanovsky, the people who make the lines. And I know the public sort of veers them in the direction they go throughout the build to these cards. But Volkanovsky might very well be the best fighter on the planet pound for pound, but he just doesn't get the respect that he probably deserves in those conversations. I have him pound for pound number four in my personal rankings. And you could make the argument that he's two or three. I think Usman has kind of solidified that spot at number one right now until something happens or he doesn't deliver a a great performance like he has over his last few fights. Maybe someone could do that, but I feel like Volkanovski just top to bottom is the better fighter than Korean Zombie. No disrespect. I think Zombie poses some interesting challenges. He's a very creative striker. And he's an interesting challenger because he's at the right camp. He's at the right gym. He's got the right coaches behind him to prepare for a guy like Volkanovski on somewhat short notice. So this is his shot. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think it's going to be closer than the lines indicate, but that's just how the public views Volkanovski. And I think Jan being a minus 500 favorite as the challenger here says a lot about him too. I mean, for the most part, champions get, get the favors. They get the favorable things. And I know Jan's the interim champion, but this is being booked as an Aljamain Sterling title defense. And Jan, the challenger, is a minus 500 favorite. So it just goes to show you the respect people have for Jan. And then Shemaev is just a massive favorite too. So you got some great champions. You got some great fighters. And that's kind of how the lines skew. I think some of those lines might get a little bit closer as we get closer to Saturday. But we'll see. Very interested to see how these fights play out and if, they, if these fighters can, can fight to their lines. Zeke, what's up, man? Good morning. Good afternoon, I guess, Mike. What's going on? <laughs> Not much. Yourself? I'm doing all right. I'm currently on the Jersey Parkway heading down home, but uh, I will be short and sweet. I hope you had yourself a heck of a weekend that we were, uh, you know, enjoying no fights, sadly. But uh, first things first, I have a, you know, future question, and then I got to look in into uh, UFC 273 this weekend. First, I want to go to... Leon Edwards and how fast he needs to get pen to paper and what the hell is going on there because if Hamzat does what I think Hamzat is going to do, is he just not going to walk into that title spot and Leon is, you know, going to inevitably become what Jed thinks he is 
and no one's going to take him seriously, sadly, because I think, honestly, if Leon is to get a title shot, this is arguably like, I don't want to say like a Darren Till type run, but this is probably his only hope. If not, he's going to have to, you know, regroup and I guess take main or main event or pay-per-view type fights. Secondly, uh, what do we think about Gilbert Burns on the ground? Do you think Hamzat will be able to submit him? I think Hamzat's going to try and show off his hands, of course. Uh, he's been, you know, kind of mentioning it. I think I saw the Conor McGregor knockout in the media, as well as a lot of sparring footage with Till. But uh, do you think he'll be able to submit Burns if he does get him down? Or do you think he's going to take him out with his hands? Thank you, Mike. I will shut up and listen. Thank you, Zeke. Um, listen, Gilbert Burns' jiu-jitsu is tremendous. And it's better than Hamzat, so... Gilbert's got a good chance on the ground. The problem is Hamzat's top pressure is just unbelievable. When that guy takes you down, it's demoralizing. Like, look at what he did to Li Jingliang. Like, he hoisted this man in the air, feet off the ground, talking to Dana White as he's gingerly walking him over to the other side of the cage and then slams him down and submits him. The guy is a beast. Once he gets his arms wrapped around you, you're going for a ride. Now, what can you do? off of your back. You just got to make sure that Hamza doesn't get those hooks in and doesn't get that big, huge top control on top of you. Because if he does, it could be a problem. Could he submit Gilbert Burns? Yeah, I guess it's possible. Like he just wobbles him and hurts him real bad and takes him down. It's possible. I would say, I would say, no, that's not how this fight will end, but it's interesting. And then I've mentioned this before about the whole Leon situation. I think Leon ultimately will get the title shot. But I think the holdup on this is not Hamzat. I think it's it's on Usman. He's got that hand injury, had surgery, he's recovering. It's just a matter of when he's going to be ready to fight. Is it going to be one of the two pay-per-view cards in July? Is it going to be August? Is it going to be September? We just don't know. And while all signs seem to be pointing to Leon fighting Kamara Usman for the welterweight title next, if it's not official and Hamzat goes out there and just smashes Gilbert Burns in like a minute and a half and it's just uber impressive like every other fight he's had. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced, and it would not shock me to see Hamzat sneak in there, which would just be horrendous. It'd be an awful thing. But it all depends on what Hamzat wants, too. Maybe Hamzat says, you know what? I'd rather fight Colby and let Leon fight for the belt first. He's not in any rush. He's still going to get big fights. Him and Colby would be interesting, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. All depends on what he wants. We'll see how his media day goes tomorrow, what he has to say about his future. But he's got a very tough fight ahead of him. Let's go to Detest. Detest, how are you? Let's make sure you're on mute. Are you there? Are you there? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, crap. Try again, Detest. I'll get you in next. Uh, Christopher, good afternoon. Hey, Mike, how you doing, my man? Good, yeah, how are you? not bad, not bad. Um, okay, quick question. Uh, I know everyone's going to ask you about Hamza, everyone's going to ask you about Yan and Aljo and all of that. So my big question for you today, will Jose Youngs get to use his 60-win graphic for Alexei Olenek? <laughs> that, is, that might be the question of the week right there. I'll see Jose... I'm going to see Jose in about seven hours from now. I'm going to pick him up at the airport and then we'll kick off this fight week. But uh, I, 
I think so. I think so. I mean, Vandera's a tough dude, but I just don't know. Like, Ezekiel just needs to take him down once, and as good as Vandera is with his wrestling, he's got pretty good jujitsu too. If Alexi Olenek gets on top of him, it could be it could be a rough night, and it could be a very short night for Jared Vandera. So my gut tells me yes, but Vanderek very well could just punch his lights out. I mean, that's we've seen over these last fights that Alexi Olenek has had. If you can just crack him on the feet, he goes down pretty quick. So if Vandera can go in there. And one thing I worry about with Vandera is he's a student of the game. He's a fan of the sport. And I feel like when he fought or, or Andre Olovsky, excuse me, I feel like he just kind of got caught up in the moment. He's like, wow, I'm fighting Andre Olovsky right now. And I feel like some of these up-and-coming fighters, they feel that way. They get in there, they prepare, they have so much respect for this guy. And then when they actually stand across the cage from him and they see him and they realize that this guy's throwing punches at him, they're just they're, they're kind of awe-inspired by it. And I feel like Alexi Olenek can, can do that to some of these fighters as well. But I think Vandera learned his lesson. But it's just a matter of can Vandera stay on his feet and can he keep Alexi Olenek from, from getting on top of him? And can he keep the Ezekiel choke off of him? Because that's those are the big questions. And I don't know. I think Alexi Olenek will win. But the longer this fight goes, the more it favors Jared Vandera. But we'll see what happens. And I have a feeling we'll see that graphic. And if we don't see it here... I don't know when we'll ever see it. Let's bring Joey T in. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Joe, how are you? Good. How are Good. Um, so there's one fight on the fight card that I think is getting somewhat underlooked, but mainly this fighter because he is a decent-sized underdog. Me and Ezekiel actually talked about it. I think Darian Weeks is actually a live dog against uh, Ian Gary. Yes, Ian Gary has the hype, but if you show his last fight against Jordan Williams, he's shown that, for one, he's very hittable. And you saw how Darian's fought against Barbarina, which to some people think Darian Weeks possibly even won. But Darian Weeks has good power. He comes forward and a good wrestler. So at any point, do you think that fight could be close to a pick once the fight starts? Or do you think Darian has any chance? Uh, thank you, Joey. I mean, everybody has a chance once you get in that cage. And I think Darian Weeks is, is could be a live dog in this fight. I think Ian Gary has an incredible future ahead of him. I think Darian Weeks is a, is, a, is a good fighter. He's still relatively young in his career. He gave Brian Barberina a pretty tough fight. But I, I, it's, it's interesting when you fight some of these guys like the Patty Pimbles of the world, like the Ian Garys of the world, when you have this hype. And now Ian's going to fight in front of a crowd. And, and a lot of people know who he is. A lot of the fight fans are, are going to be up for him and going to be excited. And plus, now Ian Gary... Trains in Florida, too. So he's going to have a lot of support from, from the Florida crowd. And it's kind of different when you're matched up against some of these guys. Fighting Brian Barberina is cool. Guy's been around for a long time. People dig Brian Barberina, but he's not, he's not a star. He's not somebody that the promotion is just going to try to push to the moon and build up. It's not, he's not a guy the promotion sees as a, as a future world champion. They see that in Ian Gary. And I feel like this is the right fight on the build, on the build up to that. But it's just a matter of can Darian catch him early? Because we saw in that first fight with Jordan Williams that sometimes you got to get comfortable in there. It's a different cage. Things are a little bit bigger than the cages that he fought in front of before. And he fought at Madison Square Garden. So that experience in fighting a guy like Jordan Williams in front of a packed house, I think that was a really good experience, a good learning lesson for him. It's not like they threw Ian Gary on the first fight on the, on the, the early prelims and he fought in front of 100 people. No, the place was packed. It was the world's most famous arena. It was one of the biggest stages that you can fight in for your Octagon debut. And the UFC put that promotional push behind him and they put him out there. And 
and sometimes that, that can become a little bit overwhelming for a young kid like that. And I think Darian has, this is going to be his first fight in front of a big pack crowd. And sometimes that could get to him too, but he's a good fighter. I think it's a really well-made match for where these guys are, are in their career. I think I'm looking at the lines on topology right now, plus 260 Darian Weeks is an under, underdog. Um, I mean, he's got a chance, but I'm favoring Ian Gary to win. It's just a matter of if Darren can catch him quick when he's when he does is not loose and comfortable yet, because Darren because Ian Gary is is hittable, especially early in the fight. If Darren can crack him with a big shot out of nowhere, maybe that changes things. But I'm I'm gonna go with Ian Gary in this fight to at least get the comfort level, get those loose legs behind him, and once he starts cooking, I think he'll be off to the races. So good fight. It's a fight a lot of people are gonna be watching. Let's see featured prelim now uh, on ESPN. Timmy, you're on. What's up, man? What's going on, Mike? How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. How are Good. You? First off, I just wanted to congratulate you with, you know, all your growth that you've been having in the sport. I really, you know, enjoyed listening to you. Thank you very much. So I just had a question about, like, the traffic that you guys been getting on your website because for some reason this fight week, for me it's big, but it seems like it's been very small. Like, I'm used to a lot of my pals always bringing up like the UFC fights coming up this weekend, let's, you know, have a little party or something, but nobody's really speaking about this at all. Interesting. So it's not, it's not passing the, the quote unquote mom test. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I can see where you're coming from. And sometimes, especially when you have as many cards as the UFC has, and they're, they're putting out fights every weekend. And normally there'd be a fight card before this. And not only would they have the fights, but in between they'd be firing up this entire card through every commercial, every in between fights, there'd be some sort of promo going on. And they kind of use that go home show. And that's why I call it a go home show when it's a week before a pay-per-view it's because they use that not only to have the fights that they are contractually obligated to put on, but they also use it as a marketing tool to get people to watch. Now, tomorrow is when the fight week officially kicks off. We didn't have a fight card last week. I think it was the first weekend off for the UFC in like nine weeks or something like that. So I think, absence i think people are just kind of like getting their wheels spinning again but the coverage is going to kick off tomorrow we got media day it's going to be a long media day you're going to hear from a lot of the big names and from what i understand hamza chamayev is going to be the very first fighter to step up on media day so once he gets going and starts talking and once jan gets in there and starts talking and sterling and volkanovsky and zombie and some of these other guys i think things are going to start to pick up a little bit more and then we got the press conference on thursday and we never know what's going to happen there it's either going to be tremendous trash talk or it's just going to be the awfulest thing ever because that's what these press conferences are like between some of the questions that are asked and some of the silliness i don't think this will be as bad as ufc 272 and colby amazadal i think this will be uh things will get a little testy especially from sterling and jan maybe shamayev and burns will get after i think volkanovsky and zombie will keep things pretty respectful so yeah i think things will pick up it's it, i think it's just not having a card last week everybody is kind of hitting the refresh button slowly, but surely we're going to start picking things up and watch, see all the coverage and everything we're going to be doing out there. Cause we're going to try to mix things up and try to do a million different things. I think once all that begins and the fight week actually starts, I think the mom test will be, we'll start to get past here. All right, let's get. The Bellator champion series is back in action Friday, May 17th live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch 
against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's get the test in here now. We tried earlier. Hopefully we can get them on now. Yeah. Hello, sir. Hey, yeah. Hey, I'm just wondering, what happened to the Iron Turtle? The Iron Turtle? Remember that guy, that Asian guy that was like the Iron Turtle? Dung Young Park? Dung Young Park. Yeah, what happened Dung to that Park? guy? Did, did he just get demolished and, and then let go? I never heard about that. Oh? Was he let go? Uh, I don't think so. Let me let me check. He's only lost one fight. He lost to Gregory Rodriguez. That was dope. That was October. So, so he's, I mean, yeah, he's been out for a while. Been six months. Oh, he's fighting Eric. He's, no, I'm sorry. He's fighting Eric Anders May 21st. Okay. There we go. All right. Iron Turtle back at Iron Turtle versus your boy. Uh-huh. So get some, some solid nicknames getting after it on May 21st, my man. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, Detest. Appreciate that. The Iron Turtle. Let's get Loctagon in here. Loctagon. Make sure you're on mute. Hello? Hey, what's up? Hi, so uh, I was just wondering, Mike, um, with Drickus out of a fight, don't you think this is the perfect time to uh, put Soledich in against him for his UFC debut? Ooh, love it. Love it. I mean, what a perfect time for that trilogy fight. The problem, like, I would love to see Roberto Roberto Soledich in the UFC. I think he's he's the real deal. And I think people are starting to come around and seeing that he's a massive star in KSW. One of their biggest stars. He does have one fight left in his deal, but that deal expires in July. But for, like I said last week, Soldich, from what I understand, and I don't know this a hundred percent KSW offered him a pretty damn good deal, a lot of money. So it's just a matter of did KSW match the offer that he presented them? Because he had a figure in mind, and if KSW said, yeah, we'll do that, then he said he would resign. But 
it just depends. Like, I don't know what the UFC is going to offer him. I mean, I don't know if they're going to touch KSW's offer, but it's just a matter of if legacy matters and if it matters more than money. Because the UFC isn't going to pay him more than KSW does. That's for damn sure. But, yeah, you could do you could do the the, the trilogy fight with Drickus du, Duplessis, and that would be a lot of fun. I don't know if Soldius is going to go to 170 or, or 185. I would like to see. the hell out of that but i don't know we'll see he's got to figure out he can't sign anywhere until the summer anyways so i know he's met with the ufc's he's had conversations with other promotions but until his contract expires he can't make anything happen so july i mean if he fights in the ufc i don't expect to see him till the fall maybe late september october but i mean that's that even that might even be wishful thinking but we got to see what happens, but that would be a lot of fun. But we got to wait till July before he can even accept an offer from the UFC unless KSW just says, eh, screw it. You can go. All right, let's bring in Elroy Prepson. <laughs> hey, Mike, how's it going? I hope all is well. Uh, random question. I was wondering about, you know, you've been to the BKFC cards, the trailer cards, Bellator. Are you excited to be back at a UFC event? Uh, thank you, sir. I am excited. I have not covered a UFC event since UFC 244 in New York. That was the Mazadal Diaz BMF title chaos. So it has been a long time since I've covered a UFC event. I kind of wish things were in terms of coverage like they were before the pandemic. And what I mean by that is I miss the media days where each fighter had their own section and we could go up and just do one-on-one interviews with them. I understand why they're scrums, and I understand with the pandemic and with the COVID restrictions across the country and promotionally and in sport, and you don't want to take any chances. Like, I totally understand why the scrum is there, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that media day and just being back in. Because the UFC, better or for worse, they are a well-oiled machine. They are super-duper organized things just go and go and go and it flows. It's just, it's a well-oiled machine. So I'm looking forward to getting back into that machine and just experiencing that all over again. But I, I would be lying if I, if I said that I love this new media day setup. I don't, I wish we were doing the one-on-ones and doing the, just ha- have individual conversations. I just feel like it's different content that everybody can put out as opposed to all the major sites sort of putting out the same videos and the same content and then it's up to us to ask like different questions and try to get these fighters thinking in different ways. But I definitely miss the, the one-on-one media day stuff. So at that point, that, that's, that's the one thing. Other than that, I'm super excited. I mean, this card is ridiculous. The card is ridiculous. This Hamza Burns fight, all this stuff, everything about it. I think it's a tremendous card and, and I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, and I'm excited to, to tag team with Jose again. Let's bring Tim in. Tim, how are you? Let's make sure you unmute. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you? Good. Yourself? Wonderful. What's going on? I had a question about what you thought about the state of the Bantamweight division. So I'm going to go off the assumption that Cody Ryan's going to beat Aljamain Sterling. And I'm just wondering, do you, and I don't know how far Dillashaw is in his recovery right now, but do you wait and give Dillashaw the title shot? I would like to see Aldo and Dillashaw fight, but I just kind of wondered what your thoughts on the, like, the top end of the division are moving forward after this fight. 
Oh, thank you. You know, I'm a big fan of the Bantamweight division. I love talking about the Bantamweight division. So I will talk about the Bantamweight division all day long and twice on Sunday. I would also like to see the TJ Dillashaw, Jose Aldo fight. Cause let's be clear. TJ came back. It was a great fight with Corey Sanhagen after the long layoff and the suspension. But most people feel like TJ lost that fight. And I know TJ feels like he can get in there and fight for a title, especially if Jan wins. There's a little bit of heat. These guys have gone back and forth and said some things about each other. I know Piotr Jan, if it was up to him, if he goes out there and beats Aljo and the UFC goes to him and his management team and they say, who do you want to fight? He's probably going to pick TJ Dillashaw. I just don't know. I would rather see this division kind of play itself up because you got Rob Font, you got Cheeto Vera coming up. They're about to fight. You got Sanhagen coming back at some point. I'd like to see Aldo and, and TJ do the damn thing, but I understand how TJ can come off as kind of heelish and people sort of want to pay money to see him get punched in the mouth and it can kind of put Jan over in a big way. And stylistically, I mean, that is just, I mean, the TJ Dillashaw that was going in there and just beating people up and just running through a lot of fighters, that guy against Piotr Jan is super intriguing. But to me, it's just, maybe it's just the, the Jose Aldo stand in me and just being so awe-inspired by this run that he's on right now that I don't think they would give Aldo the title fight, but I think the UFC would would take a take a long, hard look at Aldo Dillashaw and see what happens. Maybe offer it to TJ, and if TJ just says, nah, I'm going to sit out and wait, maybe just give Aldo the title shot. Like, I would, I know Jan beat Aldo in 2019. I get it, or 2020, excuse me. It wasn't all that long ago, but I would like, to, I would watch that fight again. I would watch that fight again. It was very competitive for a while. Jan pulled away down the stretch, but I think Aldo has improved and evolved his game so much even since then. After all these fights that he's had, all these incredible performances, all the title defenses he had at 145 pounds, I actually think Aldo is better now than he's ever been. I really do. I think he's 135 is as scary as this thought process was early on. I mean, I think he's he's looking better than ever right now. And I would really like to see what an Aldo Dillashaw fight would look like. And if I'm TJ, why wouldn't you take that fight? It's a risky one for sure. But if you go in there and you beat Jose Aldo, that's huge. And there's no denying you a title shot now. There's no conversation. There's no debate. You're in. And what a legacy fight that is to have Jose Aldo on that already incredible resume. Let's go. I would love to see it. I have a feeling TJ will get the winner, but we'll see. I mean, this fight (laughs) Saturday might end in a weird, crazy way too. And, we get no movement in this division. I hope that's not the case. Let's get a a heed in here. I know he's been waiting patiently. Good afternoon, sir. Let's make sure. What's up, buddy? Uh, um, so I wanted to talk about if Hamza Chimaev gets to Gilbert Burns. I think we've talked about it before, as in like that. Unless they announce Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. During UFC 273, like sometimes they like to announce upcoming fights and whatnot. Unless pens put to paper, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Leon is. Wants to see this fight. Everybody wants to see this fight. And even. And I'm British, and I actually feel the British fight fans are not going to care if Leon gets snubbed for someone like Hamza. Right? And the way you can tell, the way you know this for sure, is because the guys at BT Sport, Adam, Nick, and uh, Michael, like 
they did the preview show and they talked about it and you could tell like they talked about how Hamza could jump the line and they were like, oh we want Leon Edwards to get the shot you could tell they're all full of shit you can tell they they you can see that they want to see that fight more than uh, the Leon Edwards fight but it's more like you know when your friend you want your friend to do well so you you tell like a white lie to try and be nice and you can tell that's the type of language that's um coming off from them too so i feel that yeah if hamza gets the business done um that that's the fight that's the, and also one more thing i want to add as well um i saw izzy on his youtube channel picking gilbert like over hamza saying i think gilbert can pull this out the bag and i'm watching that like yeah you better hope you better hope because if hamza gets through you're in serious trouble even more than um uzman and uzman too one last thing, if you'll let me uh, say this, Mike, is that um, Usman, Usman's saying about Hamza, oh, he needs to win one or two more after Gilbert, which I find very interesting because Usman's trying to go for Canelo. And we all know that's for payday because he's open to fighting Jake Paul for $100 million. He's open to fighting Isola Desania for $100 million. He wants that huge money and he deserves it. So if it's all about money, surely he knows out of all the welterweight contenders, Colby Trilogy, Vincente Luque, Leon Edwards and Hamza, Hamza is the biggest fight that will bring the most money pay-per-view points wise. So we all know why he's saying like, oh, he needs a couple more. Like, let's be real. I mean, that was, that was just a passionate speech right there. He didn't, I'm not, I wasn't going to stop you. Even if you had two more points, it wasn't going to stop you. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've said this since Usman beat Covington, you got to get this fight on the books. I understand that Usman's injury and him having surgery and the recovery time being sort of up in the air hurts things a little bit. But at the same time, you have to have something in writing saying that it's Kamara versus Leon sometime in the summer or sometime in the early fall. Like whenever Usman, we need to have ink dried on a piece of paper because otherwise, if Hamza goes in there and just steamrolls Gilbert Burns, it's a business. This is about making money. It's about drawing pay-per-view interest. And as much as the technical pleasing MMA fan would like to see a Kamar Usman, Leon Edwards fight. We all know that a Hamzat Leon or Kamar Usman fight is going to draw. It's going to do 500,000 more pay-per-views easily, easily. So for the UFC business wise, short term, this is it. And if Hamza goes out there and beats and beats Usman, now you have a champion that will draw against anybody. I mean, he'll be the biggest drawing champion at 170 since George St. Pierre. He just will. And Anybody he fights becomes a much bigger deal. So, yeah, I, I've said this many times, and I'm with you, man. Leon needs ink on paper. If I am his management team, if I am Leon Edwards, I am on the phone with Hunter Campbell 12 times a day saying, okay, I know we don't have a date. Maybe Usman's still hurt and recovering and so forth and so on, but we need to have some sort of promise where I can sign something that guarantees you this title shot because – if Shamayev wins, things are going to be real, real interesting. And the post-fight show, all the coverage afterwards is going to be that question. Did Hamza jump the line? Should the UFC just say, sorry, Leon again, and just jump right to Shamayev? And most people would probably have a resounding yes, if we're being honest. Let's get Patrick in here. And uh, I'll see, I see you, Dax. I'll get you in next. Patrick, how are you? Mike! What's up? Brother, calling in from uh, New England. Excellent. It's a heck of an afternoon here in Vermont. <laughs> What's going on? 
I mean, I guess I'll just keep hopping on the Hamzat train. And he is a superstar. He is the type of fighter that his fighting style is all that he needs to communicate to the public. Okay, I I called in last week and I was going to share this little anecdote that a couple of my buddies wanted to have a, a guy's night, fight night, you know, and uh, I was trying to get them to watch the London card, but they uh, someone couldn't make it. So we rescheduled for uh, the last fight night. Um, and I was I brought up Hamza. And no one knew who he was. And I'm like, oh, you guys got to see him. And they all like simultaneously Googled, you know, and they're all watching highlights of him and. They were just like, oh, oh, like it, it was in, immediately just he jumps off of the screen, you know, with his style, you know, that one punch knockout. My girlfriend calls him one punch because she was sitting there while he uh, completely, you know, ethered uh, uh, Gerald Mearshart into a different, just knocked him into the astral realm. And uh, so I just think that, you cannot deny that he is a superstar and it just, you got to give him, you got to, uh, if he goes out there and does something like that to Gilbert Burns, I'm just, I'm on the, I'm on the record with, you know, the majority of people that Leon doesn't have that same style. He has a style that is dominant in his own way. I re completely respect how he fights and he controls fights in a very intelligent way, a GSP kind of way. He's, he's top, you know, probably top, five welterweight in the world but you know he doesn't have because his style doesn't jump off the screen and make people go oh he he's gonna have to bring it on the mic and he's gonna have to bring it with uh with other things to give him hype and he just doesn't quite have that he needs to bruv it up you know he needs to kind of get a little more nasty and uh uh i had another question and it's kind of off the hamzat train but uh, when Al called in, I really liked the kind of energy that you guys had. And I was wondering if you had like a scouting report of fighters, you know, potentially fighters are towards the end of the career that want to transition into uh, broadcast and the media. If you had a scouting report of fighters that you kind of know, I, I feel like you kind of know the fighters that are interested in maybe transitioning. What's your scattering report for fighters that you would want to sign to MMA uh, fighting.com as a contributor? A lot to uh, unpack there, Patrick. You're the man. Thank you very much. Hope New England is treating you well. Yeah, I mean, the, the Hamza train continues to roll on. That that Gerald Mir that Gerald Mearshart knockout was one of those, like, that was just one of those moments where you just shake your head. You're like, you got to be kidding me. That was one of those defining you got to be kidding me moments. Because Mirsha, I actually thought Mirsha was going to be a pretty tough matchup because of the experience, because of, you know, all the, the fights that he's had, the submissions. He was on a pretty decent run at the time. I just felt like the, the Mirsha could present some, some interesting problems. And then he just walks up to Gerald and punches him in the face and knocks him out. Like, just not, just deaded him. Just deaded him. It was an amazing moment. And then the Lee Jing Liang fight, just, I mean, again, the way he just picked this man up like a child and just is having a conversation with the president of the freaking company while he's got this man hoisted in the air and he's trying to get down. He's trying to plant his feet down. And he can't do it. And so I just slams him and punches him a couple times and then just chokes him unconscious. I mean, that is just freakish. It's ridiculous. So I understand why the, the hype train is rolling on. 
I think this is the fight everyone's looking forward to the most, even above the two title fights, just to see if Hamzat's the real deal. And I'm curious. I, I really am curious to see how far along they are with this Usman Edwards conversation. Have they? Because you can say it all you want. Yeah, you're in. Yeah, handshake agreement. We've seen this in MMA. We've seen it in the UFC for years. How many times has Dana White come out on a press conference and said things more than once, and then it doesn't happen? It's happened many times. And I'm telling you right now, if Shamayev goes out there and just bolts Gilbert Burns in two minutes, if that fight's not done, he's going to sneak in there. It's just I, I just don't see a world where it doesn't happen. And then, yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to – hopefully me and Al are going to – co-host one of these while in Jacksonville because I know he's going to be there cornering Aljamain Sterling so we're going to try to work something out we're going to try to figure something out some sort of content between myself and Mr. Rage and Ally Quinta while we're out in Jacksonville so I don't know if it's going to be on this show if we're just going to do a little sit down and do maybe a preview a little predictions thing on his end to see how he's viewing these fights but in terms of who could be good bro I actually think Gerald Mearshart would be really good on the, on the broadcast team, I like how they brought Bilal Muhammad up. I always thought Michael Chiesa had a tremendous mind for the sport from an analy- analytic perspective. I, I'm glad that he's there. Anthony Smith's another guy who is very smart, very intelligent. So I feel like the UFC scouts these guys very well and brings these fighters up at the right time. I'd like to see some, some of the ladies get an opportunity up there. You know who's actually really good is Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy does a really good job at breaking down fights. I think she'd be great on the desk. She'd be a nice little addition. So there's a few fights. Randy Casa is another guy, really analytical, really good, very good at breaking down fights, student of the game, just a super fan, but very respectful about what's going on. I mean, the UFC, not only do they have talented fighters, but they have talented personalities, and they actually have a really good roster of fighters that could do really well on the desk. And those are just a few of the names that, that come to mind. Let's bring in the very patient Dax. How are you, sir? Hey, Mike. I'm good. How are you? Good. So, uh, two questions, kind of related. Um, but first, there are four big favorites, uh, you know, plus or minus 300 plus on the card this weekend. How many do you think lose? Um, or, you know, maybe some weird DQ with uh, uh, Jan Sterling again. Um, and kind of related to that. Do you think Sterling's neck surgery and how different he says his training is will come into play here? Or is it just going to be kind of what we saw last time, you think? Thanks, man. Let's see. Let me look at the DraftKings odds. So Volkanovski is, I mean, just a massive favor right now at minus 720. I don't know where the trying to find what the Hamzat odds are right now because I'm not seeing it on this. But let me pull it up. Thanks for uh, being patient as I'm talking myself through going through this thing. Uh, Hamzat's a minus 550 right now. Piotr Jan's a minus 525. Volkanovski a minus 720. I don't think any of the favorites lose that fight, if we're being honest. I think Jan will win. I think Sterling might have the best chance, but the thing that worries me is kind of the second question you had is how that neck surgery, everything that he's dealing with, with the recovery, how that's going to affect him in the cage. And our own Damon Martin talked to Alan Joban on fighter versus writer. You could actually go listen to that conversation right now on the podcast network. And Alan Joban talked about that injury and that recovery verbatim. 
that was something that that Allen has had to deal with in his career. And from from a personal level, he doesn't think Aljamain will be the same. He doesn't think that his his entries, his takedowns, his his offensive wrestling, they're going to be the same as they were before. And this is the same injury that Tristan Connolly had to deal with. This is the same injury that Chris Weidman for a time had to deal with. And we've seen those styles change from both of those guys. So that's a very interesting question because if Aljamain's neck is still compromised, if he isn't able to chain together the wrestling, if he isn't able to overwhelm Piotr Jan with his grappling and his entries and his offensive takedowns, because that's his path to victory. It's just going in there, sort of Bryce Mitchelling Piotr Jan. And Piotr Jan's a really good wrestler too. We saw it as that fight progressed. He was the one taking Aljamain Sterling down in that first fight. So can Aljo get the takedowns going? Can he start to wear on Piotr Jan early? Can he get on top and stay on top and inflict damage and make Piotr Jan work? Because if he can't, it's going to be a long night for him, I think. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the US. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We'll take a couple more. We have, I mean, Mac the Mahler. Been waiting for a while. I don't want him to get mad at me. Mac the Mahler. How's it going? Um, So I I got two things to talk to you about, man. Um, So firstly, I just want to say, I think as a community, I feel like we've kind of abandoned McGregor in that we're acting like he's not really a great fighter anymore. He's sort of a joke, a paycheck, washed up. And I'm really against that. And honestly, it's just started recently because, I mean, if you look at his last couple of fights, he's lost. People say, oh, he hasn't won in this many years. Well, first of all, he took a break, right? Um, and he lost to Poirier twice, one of them when he snapped his leg. But I mean, people don't give Poirier enough credit. Every time he wins a fight, it's the story of the other guy, right? I mean, I think Poirier is one of the greatest fighters in the world right now. Sure, he lost to Oliveira, but I mean, Oliveira looks invincible. Right now, people are saying Oliveira might have had a shot at beating prime Khabib. So I just think people need to stop clowning McGregor so much and realize he's still a talented fighter. He lost to Poirier, who's excellent. And I think he's going to come back and make a big statement in his next fight. I understand. Yeah. I mean, I get where you're coming from. It's it's, it kind of goes back to the, to the old verbiage of heavy lies, the head that wears the crown. And that's what happens when you are the biggest star in the sport. People look at you in a different way. You're under a massive microscope. And it's not, I don't think people necessarily clown on Connor, the fighter. They're clowning more on Connor, the 
very rich guy who continues to get himself in trouble and then just doing kind of dumb things as a professional athlete. Now I understand that in the NFL and the NBA and major league baseball and NHL, et cetera, for decades, there's dumb athletes. You get all that money. You haven't seen it before. You come from the places Conor McGregor came from and you think to yourself, wow, I didn't think I'd get here. Or maybe I did think I'd get here. Now I have all this money. What am I going to do with it? And it kind of goes to your head and you just do some silly things. And that's what it is. But at the same time, you can't take away what Connor has done. And even then, with Connor on these on the losing streak or whatever, he's still much watch must watch television. His next pay per view will draw a million buys plus, no matter who he fights. He can fight anybody; it's going to do a million pay per view buys. The guy's still a major star. Has his game? Has the evolution of the sport kind of pass him by? I don't know. I, I don't want to go that far. But he seems just like the same fighter he's been since the come up. And we've seen the sport change in a multitude of ways. At the same time, Conor McGregor's performance against Eddie Alvarez at UFC 205 was one of the all-time great performances in the history of the sport, especially in title fights. You will not, I don't I mean, it's very rare that you will see a title fight that goes the way that that one did. Conor fought a perfect fight. That was one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Right up there with, with Holloway versus Cater. I mean, this was I mean, this was a one way drubbing. He he beat Eddie Alvarez the entire build to the fight, fight week, the press conference, the face offs, the weigh in stare downs. He beat Eddie everywhere. And by the time both guys got into the cage, Connor just whooped that dude. And nobody saw that coming. No one saw Connor going out there and have a performance like that. That is an all time great performance. Now it is it is very it's I'm very curious to see who they do match Connor up with next. Because he's calling for fights with Kamar Usman. I think we all understand that's probably a, an awful idea. Yeah, could he land a big left hand? Sure. But Kamaro has a very good chin. And if Connor doesn't put a guy away quickly, Kamaro just has a style that could really make McGregor just really uncomfortable. And it could be a rough night. The Charles Oliveira fight, they might do something like that. If he beats Justin Gaethje, just to give... Oliveira the rub and it's just probably be the biggest fight you could possibly make for Charles Oliveira outside of maybe uh, Habib comeback which I don't see happening anytime soon but I, and I hate that matchup for Connor too so I don't know man we got to get Connor a win I mean he's got to get in there and get a win against somebody so hopefully the UFC matches him up wisely maybe get him in there with Nate who knows I don't know what you do with him I I understand where you're coming from I feel like a lot of, and a lot of people say it's the gym. Like maybe he needs to get out of the, get out, get out of SBG and, and, and just get some different looks. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're not turning your back on your team. Fighters do it all the time. They go to different gyms, they get different looks and the game changes a little bit. There's evolution in it. And I feel like just with Connor, what he, what he did so well on this come up, I think a lot of guys have evolved their games in different ways and the sports just change. It just changes all the time. So, and I just, I don't know if Connor was more like a Chris Weidman than just going out there and just being con like, you know what I mean? It's just him getting in trouble and him punching old dudes at the bar and getting in trouble and doing all these things and the allegations and everything. It's just, it is what it is. And I think it's not necessarily clowning on Connor, the fighter more than just kind of Connor, the person. And maybe that's unfair on some people's parts, but I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes because Again, what Connor did at UFC 205, all-time great performance, and you'll never be able to take that away from him. Uh, Toke, 
We'll take a couple more. Toke, what's up? Time auto contributor, which will be relevant in a second because I want to talk about placement on cards. Um, and because what has happened is that after Drakus Duplessis uh, got uh, dropped off the card, Margot Madsen and Vince Bichel has been elevated to the main card. So I, uh, so what I think is this actually makes the stakes in this uh, contest more uh, significant. And I think that this will mean that the winner will get a top 15 fighter next, like Brad Riddell, for example. And that's my Otmo pick for next week. So what I will want you to talk about is kind of wax poetically on what it means, uh, what UFC is trying to tell the fighters with the, uh, about the fighters with the placement on cards. Thank you. Thank you, sir. So this is, this is an internal debate amongst the MMA fighting staff members. We talk about this all the time. And a lot of times we don't bring it up on like the pre-fight show or the pre-fight Q&A because we don't want to just get into it, an argument on there. But there's, there's sometimes when the card placement comes into play and oftentimes I'll defend it more than some of my colleagues will. And I understand where my colleagues are coming from. Like Casey, Casey Lydon is a perfect example of this because there could be a fight between you know, Amanda Hibas and like Verna Jandaroba. And it's a cool fight. And a lot of times those fights will get put on the prelims or like a women's strawway fight with, with high stakes, like Marina Rodriguez, Jan Janan, perfect example. That fight was on the prelims. A lot of people were upset that that was not on the main card. And then we get to these pay-per-view main cards and we're seeing Greg Hardy on the pay-per-view main cards. And some of these other fighters were just like, what, why are we doing that? And I mean, honestly, what they're trying to do is the UFC is trying to get either a fight they feel is the most exciting right off the bat, like a really good scrap, or they're trying to find a fight that's going to end quickly and violently. And that's sort of why I felt the Greg Hardy fight was on the pay-per-view main card before, because there was no way that fight was getting out of the first round. It's going to end quick. It was going to end emphatically. And it was going to end with either Sergey Spivak knocking out Greg Hardy or putting him away quick, or it's going to end with Greg Hardy knocking out Sergey Spivak. And that's just the way that it is. And you can make the argument, and sometimes I'll make the argument as well, that some of these fights that are on ESPN, it's actually a better spot for the fighters because while it's cool to be on a pay-per-view main card and you want people to spend money to watch your fights, more people are going to watch you fight on ESPN than they are going to watch you on pay-per-view because not a lot of people, especially with this price hike, you're asking people to pay 75 bucks for all these cards. And in July, you're asking these people to pay 75 bucks twice on two different occasions. That's 150 bucks. It is not cheap to be an MMA fan. So it's almost better for some of these fighters, especially when the stakes are high or you have exciting matchups or you have up and coming stars. There's a reason why Ian Gary is not fighting on the main card. He's fighting on ESPN because the UFC is trying to put as many eyeballs on them as possible so that people know who they are so they can build them up. And it's, it, it's interesting how they do that. I'm starting to sort of figure out the method to this madness, but I think, Vince Pichel, Marco Matson being in this spot as the pay-per-view main card opener, it says a lot. It says to me that the UFC feels like this fight is going to set the table for the rest of the card. This fight will be super exciting. It'll be really grueling, and it's a very evenly matched fight. And the styles are just going to create a lot of excitement, a lot of scrambles, some chaos on the feet at times. I think it's a really good fight. It's a potential fight of the night. And I think the UFC is putting this one there to sort of set the table 
And then Mackenzie Dern, Tisha Torres will be a, a good technical fight. And then obviously we head to the three big ones. But I think it's just we're kind of setting the table. And I like the spot here. And oftentimes when the card's not as strong, they'll just put the heavyweights in there, especially ones that they feel these fights are going to end re- relatively quickly. So, all right, we're going to take two more. We'll get uh, Aziz in, then we'll get – actually, we'll do three more. Aziz, Viral, Nico, you're on deck. And Gagi, you're in the hole. Aziz, what's up? Aziz, just get on mute. Oh, my God. I was muted. Yeah. Mr. Mike, hi. How you doing? Good, good. I want to get a pulse check from you about are you at the athlete hotel or like next to it? What is sort of the buzz like? Because I see like they just po- posted the embedded. I see Volkanovsky is at the, at the hotel. I, th- I think uh, Korean Zombie is also there. And can you give us the predictions now since you really got us engaged? Because I was like listening and I listened for like the first five minutes. I was like, okay, this might be cool, but I'm hooked now. So I've been listening since you started. Who do you think, who's who's winning the first, like the three main fights? Can you give us that or is that for the YouTube? But. Oh, crap. Aziz, check back in. Sorry. Uh, I will answer that while you check back in. I need another question. So request again. I'll get you back in. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not in Jacksonville yet. I will be there. I'm probably going to drive there. I'm at my parents' house right now. So between where I live and where my parents live, Jacksonville is like right in the middle. So I'll be heading back about a two and a half hour drive. I'll probably leave here in a couple hours. So I'll be there tonight. Jose will be there tonight. Uh, I don't think we're going to be staying at the fighter hotel, but we're going to be very close by. We're obviously going to be spending a lot of time there because – that is uh, where the action is going to be happening. The media day, some of the other stuff, the weigh-ins, et cetera. Uh, so I don't really know what the vibe is in Jacksonville. I will know tonight, and I will know the rest of the week, so I will fill you guys in on Thursday's show. As far as the top three fights go, I mean, I'm going with the favorites right now, but that could change. Maybe I see something in the media day, something they say, the demeanor. Maybe when they weigh in, things might look a little fishy. So I will say this, knowing that my pick could change come Friday or Saturday, but right now, I look at Shemaev, I look at Piotr Jan, I look at Alexander Volkanovsky. I think Alexander Volkanovsky could make a strong argument two fights from now that he is the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter on the planet. I think he is that good. I don't think he gets the respect he deserves. I think I'm disrespected him. I have him number four pound-for-pound pound on my rankings, and I don't even think that's high enough. I, he could be two or three. I, like, I'm almost ashamed to have him at four because that's how good I think he is. And I think Piotr Jan is right there. And Sterling creates an interesting test. I mean, the, the chip on... Aljamain Sterling's shoulder right now is massive. It is gigantic. And I can't wait to see how that fight plays out because there's a lot of meat on that bone. And then, of course, Shemaev. I mean, this guy is just – I mean, we've, the whole show has been about Shemaev. 95% of the questions have been about Hamza Shemaev, and there's a reason for that. But Gilbert Burns might be the most slept-on fighter on this entire card, and the dude's ready for it. I mean, not a lot of guys said yes to this fight. Gilbert Burns, in a very high-ranking spot, said, bring this man on. I will fight him, and he's doing it. So my respect to Gilbert Burns. Aziz, finish up, my man. Sorry about that. You're good, buddy. You're good. That's all good. That's all I had. So I'll be looking forward for the content on the YouTube uh, later tonight. And you should just see Aljamain, no no freaking beard. He shaved his mustache, trying to look Dagestani. That ain't going to help you, bro. Just say it. (laughs) Who knows, man? We'll see. 
We shall see. That's why we have the fights. All right, two more. Viral Nico, what's up? Mike, um, I'm glad that you're having this space. Um, I wanted to come in, but I'm happy I got the um the platform to speak. Um, I got a question. Um, I don't know if you talked about um Mackenzie Dern. Uh, what do you think uh, a win can do for her uh, career? Good question. That's a great fight. A fight that's being slept on quite a bit. Mackenzie Dern versus Tisha Torres. And how about Tisha Torres? She's been looking pretty damn good lately in her fights. That The technique is catching up. I feel like her game is starting to evolve. The striking, the in and outs, what she's been doing on the feet has been really good. She's on a nice run right now. Brianna Portino win at the time has aged very well. Sam Hughes, that fight, I mean, she she put a beating on Sam Hughes in that fight. And then Angela Hill is always a quality win when he could beat her. This is a big fight for Mackenzie Dern. This is a very big fight for her. She's got to win this one, especially coming off the Marina Rodriguez loss. And, I mean, as as much as – as bad as this would have been for Carlos Esparza and as, more, as unfair as it would have been to Carlos Esparza, at least in my opinion, had Mackenzie Dern won that fight, she'd be fighting Rose Namajunas in May. And it wouldn't be Carlos Esparza. And that would be a travesty. It'd be a shame after everything Carlos Esparza has done. But Mackenzie needs this one. She needs to get some of that buzz back. I think Marina Rodriguez sort of opens up some eyes in terms of, because Mackenzie was just running through people. And I think Marina Rodriguez showed that she's a legit contender too. And she's really good. And she was slept on in a big way in that fight too. But from what I understand, Mackenzie had a knee injury heading into that fight. She's cleaned that all up. She seems to be as healthy as ever. And what I'm happy about is I don't want to hear anybody ask Mackenzie Dern about her weight cuts ever again. She has proven time and time. She had her hiccups. She's fixed it. I don't want to hear one question to Mackenzie Dern about her weight cut. She's probably like at 117 pounds. She could probably hit the scales tomorrow at 115 pounds. Those questions are over. No more asking her. No more asking her about the weight cut because she's got that all figured out. And since she became a mom, she's like Jack. She's in great shape. So it's a really good fight. If Mackenzie can get this to the ground, how can Tisha Torres deal with that? And if Tisha can keep it keep it standing, how will Mackenzie deal with a 15-minute striking battle? You have to think. It just depends on whose world this fight stays in. If this fight stays standing, I like Tisha's chances a lot, although Mackenzie's striking has improved quite a bit. But if this fight gets to the ground, that's when things can get really hairy because, as you've seen in a lot of Mackenzie Dern's fights, outside of maybe the Marina Rodriguez fight, but even it got hairy there. When Mackenzie gets you down, she gets on top of you. The fight could be over shortly thereafter. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'll get Nico in real quick one more time. Then I'll get to you and Goggy. Did you have something else? Oh, yeah. Um, I was going to ask about that 135 fight. Like, I've been noticing, like, we have to talk about this 135 division and, like, all um, promotions. It's like you have, like, crazy dog uh, dog fights. Like, how do you feel about um, Helio? Um, Arce, I don't know how, how to pronounce his last name. That's yeah, right. so um, I think that's going to be a good fight, too, because, like, I, I remember, I think he was at 145, and then he made the cut to 135, right? Uh, yeah, he's a, yeah, he was a featherweight when he came into Yeah, because I, I think he can cause some noise in this 135. I think it's 135 is uh, get, it's really deep. And also, um, I'm just telling people in this space, I think 125, too, is going to be – it's going to catch some – they're going to get some prospects and, like, it's going to be scary. Like, um, there's, like, one prospect that I follow, um, um, Fumi. 
I don't know if you know him. He's like um he has the belt at one of the smaller um promotions. He fights with uh Ray Longo. He's part of uh, Ray Longo's team. Oh, in got in got to. I know what you're talking about. for the CFC yeah, yeah, champion. Yeah, the CFC champion. Yeah, he 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 could be a potential. If he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty good, and he taught. He's pretty good on the mic too. I'm like, he could be a problem in the future. I agree with you. He's uh he's a very good fighter. I would like to see him on the contender series. I think he's ready. I think he's that. I think he's a super legit prospect. I've been hearing about him for a while since he was an amateur. He's just running through guys. He's really impressive. He has the whole package, like you just said. I would like to see him get on the contender series. He might get one more fight with CFFC, maybe another title defense, but I think he'd be a tremendous prospect for the contender series and someone that could get Dana White and the matchmakers very excited, honestly. Uh, Ngagi, you get the final word, my man. How are Yo, you? I hope you're doing well. How are you? Um, we're doing wonderful. Fantastic. Uh, I had a question about Mackenzie Darren's weight cutting. No, I'm just joking. I'm looking at this. <laughs> I'm looking at this bantamweight uh, division, and the the champion. Uh, sorry, the title fight is very exciting, but I'm just looking at the whole division in general, and it's looking stacked. I want to know what you think about Jose Aldo in particular. We have lower in the rankings. We have Sean O'Malley is looking to come up. Marlon Marais seems to be, you know, a problem too. Although, you know, a few hiccups here and there. You have uh, Chito Vera. And Rob Font, who also just came off a loss, but I think he could also be a problem. But I want to see uh, what you think of Jose Aldo, given Jose Aldo's recent, his last three fights, and TJ Dillashaw's most recent fight, the one we've seen, we've seen how you know he's still quick and all that. What do you think? Do you think TJ Dillashaw and Jose Aldo could make it happen? Thank you, Ngagi. I mean, like I said, I love talking about the bantamweights. I that's the fight I want to see the UFC make. I want to see Jose Aldo versus TJ Dillashaw. Because in, here's, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, some people don't, don't agree with me, I feel like Jose Aldo has a better case fighting for the title than TJ Dillashaw does right now. TJ was the former champion, was stripped of the title for mistakes that he made, and props to the way TJ owned up to those mistakes. He didn't deny it. He didn't try to make excuses. He took it on the chin and, and dealt with it like a man, and I, and, I, and I respect that. What he did was wrong, and it's going to make his legacy... People think about it in a different way, but that is what it is. But Jose Aldo, the run this guy has been on, the win over Marlon Vera, the win over Pedro Munoz. I mean, the Pedro Munoz performance is unbelievable. The Rob Font performance was just unreal because if you, like, if you didn't watch Jose Aldo, Rob Font, and you just went to the numbers, you just went and looked at the numbers that fight. I'm going to pull them up right now real quick. Bear with me. Should have been. I never know what we're going to uh, – what kind of question you're going to have. All right. So let me look at the numbers here. Okay. So if you look at the numbers, the striking numbers for that fight, Rob Font in the first round outlands Jose Aldo 36 to 26. These are significant strikes. Round two, Rob Font 48 to 23. Round three, 37 to 12 for Rob Font. Round four, 10 to 10. Round five, 18, 15. Rob Font didn't get outstruck statistically in any of the five rounds. None of them. But Jose Aldo knocked him down and landed the, the more impactful strike. Now, if, if you want a lesson on how judging works in 2022 MMA, that is a fight you go back and watch. Because 
Rob landed more, but Jose's landed just way more impactful. Significant strikes. Jose Aldo's strikes were way more significant. Rob was winning that first round. He was cruising. And then Jose rocked him at the end of that first round. He dropped him, had Rob hurt real bad, and won the round. And the whole momentum of that fight changed. Rob had a good second round as you saw, but then Jose was mixing in the takedowns. He was mixing things up. Rob was kind of off of his game after that first knockdown. And that's what Jose Aldo can do. And I said this earlier, I think Jose Aldo, despite what he did at 145 and that run he was on, I think this is the best he's looked. Just the wins he's putting together, the performances. If you want to just a, a, to look at a guy, if you want to just see how good Jose Aldo is, go back and watch that Pedro Munoz fight. Go watch that Pedro Munoz fight. The movement, the way he was landing, the leg kicks were there. Not as often, but they were there, and they were effective when they needed to be there. He's just looked so good. I want to see Dillashaw Aldo. That's the fight I want to see, and the winner gets a title shot. That's a massive fight. I do understand that a lot of people want to see Jose Aldo fight Dominic Cruz, and yeah, it's cool. that's a cool fight. If the UFC went ahead and made Aldo Cruz, I'm watching it. I also would like to see Dominic Cruz, Frankie Edgar. Like that's, that's a fight that has always been on my bucket list. That'd be a cool one to watch. And then Bantamweight as a whole, I mean, you got Sean O'Malley. You got Marlon Moraes. He's on a, a little bit of a skid right now. It'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. But then below, you got guys like Ricky Simone. You got Jack Shore, who's on a nice streak right now. Undefeated, 16-0. Huge win in his last fight. You got Kyler Phillips. You got Umar Namagamadoff. You got Victor Henry, who's finally in the UFC. He beat Hayoni Barcelos in his Octagon debut. You got Saeed Namagamadoff. You got just some of the guys coming up. You got... Uh, Douglas De Silva de Andrade, who's looked really good. Ha Ronnie Yaya, where's the love for Yaya? My gosh. And then I'm uh, those who've listened to my shows, very high on Montel Jackson, very high on Chris Gutierrez, very high on Adrian Yanez. Then you got guys like John Castaneda, you got I mean, Jonathan Martinez, Javad Basharat is going to be a super prospect for this division, and the list goes on and on. Bantamweight rules, it rules, it's the deepest division they have. And if you want to take another deep dive in another division in terms of depth, 145 is another one that has a lot of incredible depth. A lot of really talented fighters. But Bantamweight, I mean, it's just, even guys like Ricky Tercios is going to be exciting when he gets in there and starts fighting and starts running off wins together. It's just, it's just such a good division. It's just such a good division. It's amazing. I'm a big fan of Bantamweight. I think Lightweight is the marquee division right now. It's kind of the, uh, the headline division just because of the bigger names and the top five. But if we're looking at depth, if we're looking at that big three Celtics team that won a championship, they didn't win the championship solely because of the big three. They won that championship because they had Eddie House coming off the bench. And they had Brian Scalabrini coming off the bench. That's what Bantamweight is like. They got guys in the starting five. They got guys coming off the bench. The whole division is just loaded and they can all fight. It's just super fun. Just like UFC 273 is going to be. I didn't think we would go this long, but you guys just kept coming with the thunder with these calls, and I appreciate that very much. So sorry that we started uh, a little bit later today, but Thursday, Friday, live from Jacksonville, we will do the show 8 a.m. Eastern time. So we'll get you ready for all things UFC 273. I'm looking forward to covering my first UFC event on site. Uh, since UFC 244, so I'm very excited about that. I'm going to take off and drive to Jacksonville in a couple hours, and we get the media day tomorrow morning. So, hey, stay tuned to MMAfighting.com for all of your UFC 273 coverage. And if you just came into this space, 
over the last, I don't know, 20 minutes or so, and you were wondering what the rest of the show sounded like, don't worry, we get you covered. The show will be up on the MMA Fighting Podcast feed within the next 30 minutes. So thank you all very much. We will see you Thursday morning. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.